You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. How did the people of our favorite galaxy from far, far away first learn of the Force? We will be discussing The Dawn of the Jedi, both the book, the graphic novels, and the upcoming movie in today's episode. We're going to talk about what's canon, what's not canon, how did the Jedi begin? It's going to be a fun time. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the priest to the geeks. I am Joshua Noel, one of your hosts. I um, I currently have a Funko Pop of Indiana Jones, as well as a movie poster of the first movie in my room. I'm transitioning my office, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be set up pretty nice and a little more geek themed. Definitely more Indiana Jones themed, which is always a plus. And I'm here with Pastor Will Rose and the one and only. Best co-host of any podcast ever, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Well, uh, let's start with you, Will. What you been geeking out on? Yeah, so we just got finished doing an episode about Transformers. You need to go back and listen to that if you haven't already, the 2007 movie. And, uh, you know, perfect timing. Uh, I love comics and collect comics and have a weekly pull from my comic store. And today, as we're recording, Transformers number one, by one of my favorite artists and authors in the business today, Daniel Warren Johnson. So I'm not even like a huge Transformers fan. I think it's cool. I think it's um, a big part of fandom and, and has its place among geeky things. Uh, but man, I was for sure going to pick that book up because Daniel Warren Johnson is on it. And and what's cool is that Robert Kirkman is creating through Image and the Hasbro kind of line universe. He's combining the Transformers and G.I. Joe universes together along with this other side sci-fi story that he's writing called Void Rivals. So how that all fits together. It's been kind of neat to see how it's uh, rolling out and playing out, and uh, I'm on board. It's cool. It's one of the freshest takes in comics um, today, and um, I love it. It's good. Yeah. I just want to be kind of Quick side note. You also introduced me to a, a comic G. Willow Wilson started doing, mm-hmm. and I've been collecting, but I haven't found issue one yet, so I haven't started reading it. So Okay. Yeah. The fantasy book. Sad. Yeah. I'm pretty sad yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, DJ, real quick, what you been geeking out on? Valorant. What's that? Game. All right. So with that, we'll jump. Well, before we jump to the episode proper, I want to let you guys know this is part of our annual theme. So this year we've been going over uh, the origins or the cosmologies of some of our favorite universes. So when we talk about like the Marvel Universe or Star Trek Universe, we did Lord of the Rings. Today we're going to be talking about some of the cosmology, some of the origins of the Star Wars universe. So if you want to hear the rest of the episodes in our annual theme of cosmologies, there is a link down below. Click on the playlist. Listen to all of those. We've had a lot of fun. We even did Adventure Time at one point. It's been great. We're going <laughs> to keep doing it till the end of the year. And then uh, I can't wait to announce next year's theme. We already know what it is. So stay tuned. But for today, we're jumping in. We're going to be talking about the origins of the Star Wars universe. And let's start with, because these uh, the Dawn of the Jedi books, we're going to be talking about like the comics, the books, some of that. A lot of them, I don't think any of them came out before 2013, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, right. Which means all of us has been well acquainted with Jedi and Star Wars well before we had any idea what these books were going to be. So I want to start off with a fun question. How did you originally imagine the Jedi originated? And like, was it anything like what we learn in these stories? Like, did you just think that they had always been there? Did you have like, like for me, I'll start to kind of as I feel like it's like a weird question. Um, <laughs> I I just, for some reason, in my head, the Force was always a thing. 
Mm-hmm. And one day through, you know, religious practices, I always just assumed that someone kind of got in tune with the force and realized it could do things. And it kind of just developed as any religion would, you know, one person starts as a cult, all religions start as a cult, technically, just so people know. Anyway, starts as that kind of developed, became its own religion. And once people realized that religion was true, it kind of became like the dominant religion because unlike a lot of our religions in our world, you know, I can't be like, guys, watch this. When I say Jesus, boom, everyone's healed perfectly in the room. (laughs) You know, their religion has this advantage. I'll say the Jedi religion has this advantage of people say the force isn't real. They just levitate some rocks with the force. It's like, well, can't really deny that too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So let's go. Will, what what did you think as far as like, how did you think the Jedi began? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we we start with the Star Wars story in the in the middle of the story, middle of a of a battle between a small band of rebels and an empire. And then you hear these kind of allusions to the force and ancient religions. And is it real or not? So skepticism around it. But then legendary tales around the Clone Wars and lightsabers. You're like, wow, what is this all about? So, yeah, there's always that question of how did it begin? Where did it start? Um, who was there at the beginning of, of these things? And I, I kind of liken it too, even our own kind of uh, – Genesis, creation story, myth, myth and unfolding of how we tell God's story. God has always been there at the beginning and started all things. Uh, and yet, um, how are we in tune or or connect with God? Whereas creation is always this entanglement and connection with God. And yet, as Walter Brueggemann said in like his Old Testament history books, is like, yeah. It, all of scripture is a series of call stories. And so, yeah, the force has been there always at the beginning of this particular universe, always there, always as a part of uh, all living things. But what what's the call story? What's calling people to be in tune with the force, to balance the force, the chaos, how your actions matter. So, so yeah, I was very interested. This particular comic book arc by Dark um, Horse Comics uh, is right before the Disney um, acquisition of of uh, Star Wars and coming back to Marvel and there's a whole history there in terms of Star Wars in the in the 70s and 80s with their the uh, producing Star Wars comics and then went over to Dark Horse and went back to Marvel so it was in a gap of of me not reading those comics they were just out of my wheelhouse it just wasn't a part of that but when i started hearing about the upcoming movie and that's a movie they're floating out with there with james mangold and dawn of the jedi i was like oh what's been done beforehand what is he going to build upon what story are they going to tell something totally different or are they going to lean into some of the comics the legendaries the books yeah all that's there or just tell something new but super interested i think we're always curious in our fandoms like how did this all begin how to start which is why we're doing this um this series on cosmologies and origins because yeah where where did it all begin so uh your imagination can go wild there it's not attached to any legacy characters so they're not going to get any characters wrong they're just starting over with characters that they invent and throw out there and so that was um very appealing to me and, and loved reading i'll confess mm-hmm. i didn't read all the comics i read the first couple <laughs> parts. Uh, so but i'm not scared of spoilers so you guys just throw it out there wouldn't even know if that's even going to be a part of the movie or not whatever uh let's just have fun and thinking about the origin of how people are called into the force itself. Yeah. 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 I wasn't getting into yet some of what were like the actual books and stuff, but I had read the book last year, which is when we're playing our year of origins. I was like, yeah, we'll talk about, 
you know, the Dawn of the Jedi. And then TJ had read it, he said. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then you put your name when we did our list on there. And I was like, okay, yeah, us three will finally have some of the, like, the OGs of Systematic Ecology. We're really, we're missing Kino. We'll have all the OGs, right? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I found out like a month ago, when TJ said he had read it, he meant comics. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there were comics. And then I found out a couple weeks ago, the comics in the book, not the same at all. <laughs> so, you can tell different stories. It's a, it's a big, big, big so, universe. But and, and I think let's note that the, the title is Dawn of the Jedi, not Dawn of the Force or the Dawn yeah. of the Star Wars universe. So what is the Dawn of like the Jedi religion and connection to the Force? And of course, over thousands and hundreds and thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, it's going to change and evolve. Yeah. The systems aren't in place. The organized religion is not in place. But how are people connecting to the force and having that guide their daily lives and their systems and relationships. So, yeah. yeah, So it's funny in the three volumes of the comics and then in the book, I don't think there's a single Jedi technically, right? They're Jedi, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, first we got to ask TJ, because this is, it's kind of an unfair question. Will has grown up with star Wars. He's been with the IP the longest, but you know, you mentioned you kind of had a little bit of a, a gap in here. I only cared about the movies. I actually, in a weird way, grew up similar to Will. You know, I watched the original trilogy first as a very young kid. The prequels came out. I watched them. I had fun until I was like a teenager and went, wow, actually, prequels kind of suck. And then everyone I knew agreed with me. And I was like, cool. And then I found out there's this other generation where TJ comes along. And it's like, yeah, no, everybody thinks the prequels great. And Josh, your opinion's bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, but all of my friends also thought that those were bad. How was my opinion? <laughs> right. Because that's just, you know, who I grew up with. Mostly Revenge of the Sith. It's uh, Attack of the Clones is still not the best. It's so funny, though, because like even like my best friend and, and this is how, you know, when you like, you know, sometimes we live in silos. We'd mm-hmm. always like every now and then we just have these conversations trying to figure out what went wrong with that movie. Why is Revenge of the Sith so bad? And then I found out there were people who liked it. I was like, huh. I had no idea. It's um, the favorite one. Yep. There, there's a Star Wars for everyone. There's a Star yeah. Wars for everyone. So I say it's unfair because I stuck to the movies until TJ started telling me some stuff about this like Darth Bane guy, about this like Revan. And then he was like, actually, Josh, you, you actually have to watch The Clone Wars. And I was like, no. He's like, no, trust me. It'll make Revenge of the Sith better. And eventually I kind of, just because of my personality, I watched it to prove him wrong. And then he was right, which sucked. Um, (laughs) It does make it better. It's still my second least favorite movie, but it is better than it was having seen the show. Thanks, Dave Filoni. Um, So yeah, so TJ might have had a completely different perspective because he read some of these legend books and has been kind of more involved in the other stuff outside of the movies. So I wonder, TJ, what, before you came to the Dawn of the Jedi stuff, what was your idea of how the Jedi started? So I read Dawn of the Jedi a long time ago, so I, I mostly don't remember what I thought of Jedi's origins. That's fair. Uh, I guess 10 years ago is when it came out. Yeah. So it was – they had it in my library. It was cool. I uh, I had played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 before 1 and before I read this. And until I read this, that was like the oldest iteration of the Jedi that I had seen. And I assume neither of you are familiar with it. So I'll just. Right. Okay. I, uh, I played it this year because um, you and Christian basically in the episode said, if you do not, we play this. You're not worth talking to. I mean, you didn't say that, but that was the vibe, you know? 
Oh, that's that old geek shaming. <laughs> I love it. Geek we shaming. We didn't do that. No, He's, they didn't. He's... But it was the vibe I picked up was, <laughs> I'm not a worthy geek if I don't <laughs> play this. And then they were like, it's on your phone. You have no excuse. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> it is on your phone. You can play it on your phone. So definitely do it. Uh, so I had always assumed that the Jedi Order just kind of came about. Like people realized they were force sensitive, learned how to control it, found Dantooine, which I for a long time thought is where it started, uh, which will make sense if you play Nazi Old Republic or Nazi Old Republic 2. Uh, and I just thought that's how it happened. You know, it just kind of naturally came about. They started recruiting these Force-sensitive kids and taking them to the lightsaber cave on Dantooine, which was super convenient. You know, you don't have to go to another system to, to find the crystals. Uh, it was just in a cave a couple miles away from the Jedi Enclave. Uh, so that's what I thought for a long time. Uh, I did, you know, sometime in my youth, probably middle school, uh, read it. And I can never remember what this book is called. I just remember the cover. But there you go. Th they mentioned Tython. And I was like, oh, Tython's awesome. That's, that's sweet. But, I, mm -hmm. you know, and I read Dawn of the Jedi not much longer after that. So, yeah, yeah, that's actually... So when you when we bring up Tython and we're going to talk about the Tython system, that's like an important distinction for the rest of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between star systems and galaxies. So within Star Wars, even like proper canon, they had been to other star systems. That's not that unique. Going to other galaxies is something that recently happened into us in Ahsoka that is actually a big deal and something yeah. that almost happens in Into the Void with Donna. So. Talking about Dawn of the Jedi, there's three volumes of the comics. There is the Force Storm, the Prisoner of some word. DJ, help me out. Hmm. Uh, What's the volume two? Prisoner of B. Uh, um, all right. And then the third one is Force Wars. And then the book that I read is Into the Void. So instead of saying the whole titles, if we're just saying Force Storm, Prisoner of Bogan, yeah, Prisoner of Bogan or Force. Wars or Into the Void. That's what we're probably going to call all the books we're talking about today. I know this is going to be a lot. Buckle up. It's okay. Um, but yeah, in both Into the Void and Into Force Wars, they almost do some travel to other galaxies. And the big fear that looms over is if we do this, if we use the gate, I don't know if this is in the comic. I know it's in the book. But there was a huge fear that if the, the um, hyperspace gate is used it'll create a black hole and suck up the entire system. That's which dangerous. Which would be bad. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would not advise that. Yeah. They yeah. Don't, so they there's, don't, a, there's a lot of danger around that idea. Do I? They don't talk about like the destruction of the universe oh. in the black, in the conflict part, but they do have the gate. Yeah. I didn't know the gate was there until 15 minutes ago when I finally finished reading all the comics. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So the gate's not only in the book, which is so funny because so much of the book is those, um, well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but they're they're looking for the gate. And it was so funny when it showed up in this. I was like, I feel like I've done this before, actually. I've had this whole battle in front of the gate scene just with different characters. <laughs> so right. that's fun. Um, yeah. So let, let's let's jump into the actual stories here. We're getting into we're going to start. We're going to try and do the best in order, as always, with Star Wars. Order is a tricky word. Let's start, though, with Force Storm. Um TJ, could you summarize what happens in Dawn of the Jedi, Force Storm? What's it about? Who are the characters? 
Yeah. So Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm is our introductory volume into this world, uh, into this, you know, mini series about the origin of the Jedi Order. And it kind of shows us mostly what the planet Tython is like and what the Jedi culture is like at this time. And, you know, it shows us that Tython is a, a living, breathing planet, you know, with emotions pretty much, which is funny because Jedi aren't allowed to yeah. do that uh, emote. Uh, <laughs> and it introduces us to like our, our main cast, which just kind of they do that thing where they throw out a few, you know, our little our little rogues right here and. They each have different fun personalities and one's brash and hot and, you know, emotional and one's stoic and aggravated. Uh, you know, it's they do that that classic little spread. Uh, someone lovable, someone arrogant. Uh, <laughs> but we get Shea Coda, who is awesome. One of my favorites in the series. Uh, she is super cool, dedicated. You know, she gets her like Zenkai boost. Uh, from from her emotions, yeah, which is something that they're not afraid of yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. As of Dawn of the Jedi, they're allowed to have those. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think one of the most unique things, and it probably it, it's weird since I read the comics second. So a lot of this, when I started reading this, it was putting images to things that I read in the book. If that makes sense, I was like, oh, that's what that world looks like. Oh, that's the abyss, huh? I didn't imagine it looking like that at all. You know, like in a weird way, the book gives you just enough detail that like my brain filled in the gaps and it was almost more graphic, if that makes sense. Like visually, I just felt like I saw more reading, but um, just the way they did it. And it was so interesting, though, when I when I came across this, because you get regardless of if it's the book or the comic, I think, which you'll have to tell me those who were introduced to the comic first. It's almost Shocking's not even the right word. It it, it kind of like there's this huge take back whenever people's big concern isn't oh you're falling to the dark side or something. It's oh you seem out of balance, and, and by balance they actually mean using both sides of the force for everybody. And uh, what at this point they call the Jedi Order, and it's spelled weird. I can't show you that through an audible mean. Just uh, look it up. Did that what, when you guys read that? Did that like take you back any like? We always kind of knew that that was a thing, but did seeing that or you know reading it shock you in any way? I mean, I'll I'll say that like reading the beginning of this, being really unfamiliar with this, but just hearing about because there's always again this is twenty six thousand years before the battle at, at Yavin, so um, it, it's way back. It's not just a thousand years. It's not a couple thousand years. It's like twenty six thousand years. It's very 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 beginning. So um, you you hear rumors, you hear about the movies, you hear about these characters and what could be or couldn't be. So actually diving into that world as I started reading this, it, it read more like the similarity. And I was telling Joshua this for me that like there's a lot of names and planets and history there. And it's like reading a history book there at the setup. And then eventually, as TJ says, you get like your team being pulled together. And and I love it when you pull a team together, whereas Avengers mm-hmm. or X-Men or, or Justice League or whatever, you, you gotta gotta get your team and they gotta play off each other and they gotta be a little bit different from the other and figure out how their learning curve, how to work together. And they have these different elements and sides of the force that they're using, light, dark, balance. And I think that's the appeal once you get into the actual characters themselves. But for me, the beginning was a little slow. I You throw a lot of planet names that I can't pronounce or uh, <laughs> uh, character names I can't pronounce that I'm 
I'm going to just kind of glaze over my eyes. But I, I think once you get to like them tapping into the force and how they use the force, the emergence of things that we see in the present day movie universe of how people use the force really does shed some light. And it's a different way of, of expressing what that means and, and the systems and institutions that form around it and what they think is right or wrong. I find that super interesting. So, so yeah, there's a whole world there to really try to figure out the emergence of these systems that revolve around the force is already there from the beginning, which is mirrors what we do with religion and in our faith in God. So, yeah, it's funny because, uh, into the void, what we're going to talk about next, really does the opposite of that. You're just thrust into this world, mm-hmm. and you, they just starts with the storytelling, and it's like, wait a minute, they're, huh, what? Did they just say that she's concerned she doesn't have enough of the dark side? <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean? Um, TJ, did you, when you first came across these, were you shocked any when you saw people actively trying to participate in both sides of the Force? Nah. Is it because you already, like, knew Grey Jedi and all that from other things? Yeah. I was a student yeah, of early Bindo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Great character. But that's where they're moving. I mean, I think I think the movies and with what we're seeing in Ahsoka and, and others and with Ray and uh, this whole kind of like, I guess there's it, the original trilogy is so binary, black and white, dark side, light side. Bal- but we hear about the chosen. We hear about bal- bringing balance to the force. Is the balance of force just the dark side being defeated or is there a more of a cooperation entanglement between the two of, of how they happen. And we're starting to see that happen, especially in our present day postmodern context of in terms of religion and spirituality and and a lot of non-binary talk in, in our culture. So it would make sense that the storytelling around the force would um, highlight more of that aspect of what that means uh, than others. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah, we see what happens when a storm is unleashed and the unbalance and the chaos of that happens in this book. And one thing I really loved is the emergence of like force lightning and the dark side using it and going, Oh, that's where from that Palpatine's tapping into the force lightning and the storm and the chaos. And that's the dark side. And that's why you don't see Jedi using or using force lightning. a dark side thing. Um, that was part of that storytelling in this first arc. The, um, force storm was pretty, pretty fun to, to have my imagination go there. What's weird is like, it even adds layers to what it means like dark side, because, so on the planet Tython, I'm going to do a little bit of a because the part that most interests me was the Silmarillion type stuff. Course, obviously, yeah. 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 Like I was yeah. like, uh, well, especially because I read the book first. So when I'm getting to the characters, I didn't know the comics were completely different. Mm-hmm. So they're introducing, you know, Shikota or Shikota, Tasha Ryo, Wrath, Zesh, all these people, and I'm over here like, where's Lannery? Where's Lannery? I don't see Lannery. <laughs> because i like i love that character i was waiting on it her to show up and it's not part of the comics turns out so i was a little frustrated once i once i let go of my expectation and became more like tj it got better um (laughs) but yeah what i thought was interesting in the beginning though we have these thoyor which just fun fact in tibetan because you know all all these words they like to pull from other religions all this other stuff and it was like oh i learned this is tibetan i was like okay this is gonna have some cool spiritual meaning nope it's like tibetan for giant pyramid heaps of stuff on top of each other (laughs) like it's literally just like the physical description of literally what's there Mm -hmm. so these pyramids which one thing i really like too is we don't know who built these the thoyor they were hidden we had some of these monks were um we had the we're introduced first to the Dai Bindu monks. They're meditating. They're trying to figure that they are with this pyramid for like a thousand years. No idea what it is. We never learn what it is. Um, 
a lot if you go like on the online reddit stuff which don't do that guys it's not worth your time to the extreme <laughs> but you get this question of like who created it was it the gree this ancient race that was like giant brains with tentacles basically was it the qua who are like these super spiritual beings that we learn later do some of the hyperspace stuff who created it we don't know and what i really like about that is the thoyor so this is like at the time where the we're all seeking balance of the force dark and light right um What's interesting is the Thoyor, it starts picking up people and taking them to the planet Tython, which is like the force planet, right? And it doesn't just pick up a bunch of spiritual people. It stops one place, picks up the monks. Then it stops the next place and it picks up the scholars. Then it stops the next place and picks up the fighters. So what you see is like, it's not only just this balance of light and dark, but we also have this balance of the scholars, of the religious, of science, of faith, of fighting, of peace, all of this coming together, all playing an important part, being taken by this thing that I, that's why I like we don't know who built it. We don't know if it was the intellects or the spiritual or who, and I think that's on purpose because the idea is not just balance of light and dark, but balance of everything. We All of these different aspects have an important role, um, and I know that's something that Will gets excited about with faith and science. So I'm going to yeah. stop talking, see if he had any thoughts when it comes to who it picked up and chose for the planet Tython. Yeah. Like where are you going to set up camp? <clears throat> where are you going to, where are you going to meet and gather? You know, you need these spaces to, to be able to express yourself and, and form communities and relationships. So how, how you carve out your space is pretty interesting. So yeah, that part of the universe forming and picking a planet that, that has its own kind of ecosystem and connection with the force, I find super interesting. It, it was interesting they chose pyramids. So you're like, oh, we have a pyramid on Earth. Maybe that's an ancient Jedi spaceship tapping into the ancient aliens shows on on the History Channel or whatever. But I hope. <laughs> we can only hope. But but then, you know, what what are the um the hologram or not the what are the things they use to store information and holograms. Um, Holocrons, yeah. So they're in the same shape as the holocrons. I th I, that's where my mind went, and and yeah, I think it is science fiction. You have spaceships, you have lasers, you have technology, you have droids. You also have aliens. You also have the the spirituality and the connection to the force that's there. And that's what's always appealed to me about Star Wars is that it is both science fiction and and mysticism connected to the two and and this kind of organized religion around it. So seeing how that forms and shaped thousands of years ago in different contexts is super interesting. So that 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 was definitely appealing to me. And again, it just lured me to like, if this is all legend, they don't do any of this. It is, it piques my interest of what they could do in a movie situation, a two and a half hour movie of just going to town and creating new characters and, and mm -hmm. a whole different idea of setting the canon straight for all this was, um, yeah, I, it couldn't come soon enough. It's probably 10 years away after the writer strike, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and man, please get that out here ASAP. Yeah, yeah. So just setting the stage a little bit more. Um, the Thoyor, that's that like temple looking thing. There wasn't just the one. There's a total of eight. They end up picking up all these people, going to Tython, and where they the Thoyor end up settling at is where they build temples on the planet Tython, which is going to be important context when we talk about the book itself. But first, I'm going to just wrap this up. Um, the three main characters, or four main characters that get introduced here, we have Shai Koda. She is a human from the Dathomir tradition, which is um, – that's like the ancient witches. That's the same planet as Darth Maul, right, TJ? Yeah. 
Okay, cool. I'm not crazy. Good to know. Um, we have Tasha Ryo, who is a Twi'lek. Do we? There's other Twi'leks, right? Yeah. Who's a Twi'lek that listeners might know? Um, Bib Fortuna. I don't know who that is. Good luck, Hera. listeners. Hera. Ah, ah, is Hera a Twi'lek? Okay, cool. Uh, Hera um, Yeah, that's a good answer. Better. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, Saknos Wrath, which, hang on, if you didn't know this, this can be a little shocking. He's a Sith Jedi. Sith was originally a race that later became the evil people. But right yeah. now it's a race that are like red people with like some tentacle horns, different yeah. stuff going on. They so, look really cool. Look at so, so what happened was the the Sith purebloods is what they're called. Lived on Korriban uh, pretty peacefully. They were force sensitive. The Sith religion moved in and we're like, hmm, join us or die. And a mm. lot of them chose death. Yeah, that's. That's fair. Colonialism. Um, yeah. But this is before that. So Sith can still be good guys at this point, And he is a good guy. He's one of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have right now he's called Zesh. We lean later. It's not his real name. But you know what? Keep listening. We'll tell you his real name later on. He is a human. Rakata. He is a force hound. Basically means he was born, bred, and trained only in the dark side. He's basically a born and bred Force assassin. I think that is that a fair way to put it. Yeah, yeah, but that phrase, force hound. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, like, that's cool. And he sniffs out and hunts down force users or those sense of the force or using the whatever wherever you are on the training spectrum, whether you're a journeyer or a ranger or a master. Which I love those kind <laughs> of tier systems. Yeah. It's pretty cool. They have these yeah, tier fun. systems uh, in in these books, and this guy is a force hound who who sniffs them out and can sense what's going on within them, whether they're tapping into the light or the dark or their emotions. And and he can kind of predict what they're going to do. And then, but this team that they pulled together here, he it, they surprise him and he gets kind of attached and he starts having emotions towards them. So he kind of changes his way a little bit, which is, is kind of fun to see. So yeah, um, a force hound where you can yeah. sniff out the force and other people are things is yeah. pretty cool. I think also it did take a little get used to getting used to, and it was easier in the book, but getting used to Sith, not being the bad guys, it being right. a race and Rakata are the bad guys now. And Jedi are the good guys in, in the book. I don't, I don't know if they had Rakata, but it, it was just weird because you don't have the images. So it would just say, and then the Sith came and you're like, Oh no. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not an, Oh no. Yeah. This, this yeah. is a good thing. I'm glad the Sith are here right now. Actually. We have our biases and prejudices against that whole group because yeah. of how we've been groomed by the uh, propaganda <laughs> of the Jedi temple and organized religion, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, those are our main characters right now for the comics. We're going to take a break from them when we get to the books. But before we do guys, how would you rate and review volume one, Dawn of the Jedi Force storm? Will, you want to go first? Hey, sure. I That's the only one I read, so I'll, I'll be happy to. <laughs> I, I did read some summaries and, and other things, too. But I it, it took a little while for me to get into and get used to it because I wasn't connected to the universe, that particular time period and the characters themselves. But eventually got into it. And it was neat to see how, you know, the Jedi are like using just regular swords with metal. And then this yeah, other weird. kind of force saber shows up that they've never seen before. So you get these origins of, I'm a big lightsaber fan. I've been 
thinking about those since I was four years old. And um, I, so seeing these things emerge and the force of lightning and the storm, and uh, here we are in hurricane season and, and I've surfed on some waves and we've been watching storms and see this four storm happen. It was, it's pretty cool. A nice, a nice, um, uh, yeah, good timing with all that. I, I, I liked it and it ended with a good cliffhanger about what's going to happen next. So it did make me want to go and see what I just haven't had time to go and see what yeah. the next arc is and how these characters develop and where they'll go. Yeah, the uh, the cliffhanger was definitely a plus. I'd probably give it a seven. It's hard for me. You guys know if you've been listening long enough when I do ratings uh, to me, that's not a grading system. It's more of a comparison thing. I'm rating it to other things. And it's hard to know with this. Am I rating it against other Star Wars? Am I rating it with comics? Like, what am I? <laughs> what is the comparison here for which I am rating it? Um, so I'm just going to do a seven because, you know, when I just think of like, which my rating for Star Wars has changed recently with all the shows, because now there's a different metric. There was a lot of things that I think were way worse than those other movies or maybe not worse as in bad, but just kind of the standard of Star Wars for me has lessened. I'll put that. Yeah. Um, I would, I would probably give it a seven too, but then there's a flying rancor. And so it yeah. just jumped up to eight. <laughs> and it jumped yeah, that up is pretty cool. Once that emerged on, on yeah. the thing, are flying, uh, uh, Rancor with wings and they can ride it like a dragon, like yeah. Game of Thrones. Boy, I was yeah, like, was okay, cool. cool. It went from a seven to an eight. So there you go. Yeah. We had a, um, yeah. So we learned that they can use the force to kind of help bioengineer animals to do stuff. We learned all kinds wow. of stuff. The planet Tython, you know, TJ mentioned earlier, it's an emotional planet. And uh, we're talking about like the forces, like where lightning comes from. It lightnings on that planet when the force is out of balance, not when the dark side's taking over necessarily, which is interesting because when you think about the dark side later on and they were using force lightning, it's kind of a, are they out of balance or are they using the dark side? TJ, mm-hmm. <laughs> what would rate and review this series? They're volume hey. one, not the whole series. Okay, there we go. Anything to add or say? Or Awesome. Awesome series. You- had to give volume one a scent. What does it smell like? Uh, hmm. I don't know if everyone will be able to relate to this, but it smells like uh, freshly milled aluminum. Hmm. For those who don't know, TJ has been a welder once in his life. <laughs> oh. For context, yeah. TJ yeah. Origins. That's going to be the next episode. That's how, that's actually the finale of our origin year. <laughs> New Year's Eve, I'm, I'm releasing the TJ Origins episode. Dude, I would roll up with a bowl of popcorn <laughs> to that episode and gather the family around. We rent out a theater to show it up on YouTube on the big screen. Yeah, I, I, would be, I would be so stoked on that. So let's make yeah. that happen. You know what? You know what? I'd love I'm going to see if T- I'll, I'll see if TJ can commit. Guys, we're at 46 followers on YouTube. If we get to 70, TJ, will you agree to do the Origins of TJ episode? Mm, 70's kind of low. 75. Kind of low. You Give want, me a number. You want, you want three <laughs> numbers. He wants to. You want 100? 1,000? <laughs> All right. You guys are probably not getting <laughs> Who knows? What if we do? Who knows? Cool. All right, let's go to Into the Void. That is the graphic novel, not graphic novel. That is just the novel. Um, it's just a book. Uh, there's an audiobook that's pretty good, I think, in my opinion. Um, I've read and listened to this at this point. I read it first last year, and then I was like, I, I want more. I want to hear it again. I love the story for the story's sake. And I was actually worried about including the um, Dawn of the Jedi in our year of origins because I was like, this doesn't really give me a lot of uh, cosmology. I don't learn a lot about how the Jedi start from this, really. And then I read the, the, the comics. I was like, oh, okay. Actually, there is a lot here. 
But uh, so you start with following this Jedi Knight, Lana Ree Brock. I love her. She is so cool. She's very much a badass, but you can also tell she is spiritual. Like, I don't know if you've ever met someone who is spiritual. You can tell they're very much at peace with themselves, but also totally a badass. That's oh, yeah. Lannery. <laughs> I love her. She is so cool. So for me, if a, if a book can sell me on a character, the story really doesn't have to be that great. <laughs> right. So they got me involved in this character and all throughout it. She's going to the temples on Tython, and each temple represents a different type of knowledge, which kind of associates with the land, right? A different type of knowledge is gained from the temple that's at sea, right? A different kind of knowledge is gained from the temple that's surrounded by rocks because the spirituality of the land itself is different. So she's learning all these things. She's learning how to be angry when she needs to be angry. She's learning how to find peace when it's hard to find peace. She's learning how to go with the flow and surf with will when she's at the... (laughs) The ocean temple, you know, she's learning all of these things and kind of like flashbacks all throughout it goes. It's just flashbacks. And in the flashbacks, eventually, as the story goes on, you learn she has a brother. Her brother is um, I'm trying to pull this up name up because for some reason I forget his name is Dalian Brock. The reason I forget his name is you don't really get his name till later on. It's fun. It's hard to do this in an audible thing. So I'm ruining this. Um, spoiler alert, all that kind of stuff. The reason she's pulled at the beginning of the book is because there's a new cult leader on the scene who Mm -hmm. is basically starting a religion of anti-the force. We're against force users at all. They're oppressive. They look down on people who don't use the force, all this other stuff. Without the context of the comics, it seems really odd. When you read the comics, you realize there's been this giant battle because people who are born from force-sensitive parents on Tython who aren't force-sensitive get kicked off the planet. They get completely banned from their own family because they don't have touch with the force. It's really for their own safety, because if you don't have force and you're on Tython, you're going to die. I didn't have that context when I first read this book, which was really confusing. (laughs) So he's just leading this anti the force people because he thinks that they're already their system is bad. So there's corruption in the system from this point. And you're seeing it from his perspective and you're like, oh, wait, he's right. And at the same time, you're getting these flashbacks and you're seeing her and her brother. And eventually you kind of realize that it is the brother is the cult leader because you start seeing the brother who is technically force sensitive, but he doesn't he doesn't like how things are being done. You know, they say, OK, you're you need to learn anger now. He's like, OK, but I don't I don't really like being angry. I don't want to learn anger. <laughs> like, OK, but you have to. That's what it means to be imbalanced. You have to learn this. You have to do this. He's like, OK, but I, I kind of don't want to. I actually don't even want to use the force. He never really. He just wasn't feeling the religion. It wasn't that he didn't have the connection. He just wasn't wanting to do the stuff. And yet he was put in a place where he had to do the stuff. And if he didn't, and he pretended to be non-force sensitive or anything like that, he's getting kicked off the plane, estranged from his family. So you see this corruption in the system, even from here. So even when we have this balance of the force in everybody and they understand there's value in light and dark, there's value in scholars and scientists and all this, there is still a system that does not work. And he's exploiting that, starting this cult, revolting against it. And he believes that he can lead people to a different galaxy Hmm. where this won't be the case, where you don't have to get this system. So he's leading people away from this system by going to another galaxy. And the Jedi Knights are worried because if he finds, if he finds the bridge, the hyperspace bridge and uses it, they believe it'll create a black hole and suck up the entire star system, killing everybody. Yeah. Pretty big deal. So they couldn't let him have that. So eventually she's chasing down unknown villain B. She thought her brother died forever ago. 
she's in this chasm. They find a way through the chaos wall, uh, which is a whole thing we'll talk about later. And they have this giant battle at the end. She knows it's her brother, and she ends up having to kill him to save the galaxy, which then reflects at the end, which is why I love the book so much, because there's this parallelism of her and her brother. They're both learning. He wants to not be a part of the system. She's learning balance and is actually really helpful for her and her own spiritual growth. And his whole problem with the system was that it's, it's estranging families. It's turning people against each other, all these things. What he does forces his own sister to kill him estranging his family and putting families against each other. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny to see that him battling the system, he kind of creates the same problem that the system's creating. Man, and and man, is that not a mirror of what we do? Yeah, like it's so good. we're anti-system and we don't want systems, yet that itself is creating a system that talks about how other systems should be or not be. So yeah, there, there's that, there's an irony and kind of a double standard of, of thinking through what that means when you're trying to uh, form around a particular belief or creed or political viewpoint. Those, those things are all part of it. But, but yeah, I mean, he's got a point, like some often religious, spiritual systems tend to oppress or look down on others or separate those where you think you're better than the other or have it more right than the other. And so how, how do you create, uh, you know, peace and harmony and balance between all those things? So that, that makes perfect, perfect sense. So we talked about how this book is, is different from the comics, but it happens in the same world, same universe same in the same way. Like, yeah, we, we have two shows going on, whether it's The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. They're around the same time period, but they can be separate stories being told because it's a big universe and there's a lot of things happening, a lot of people and characters. Same way you could tell a story what happens on the other side of the United, other, other United States or world and it be in the same time frame and they're just a whole different context of what's going on. So it's pretty cool that you can tell these oh, yeah. stories and, and be a little bit free to tell your own story, even though you're in the same vicinity or time, time frame. What I also love, I, I personally do believe in coincidences. A lot of Christians don't. Mm. One coincidence I do love, though, <laughs> last year, planned doing this, had no idea they were going to announce Donna the Jedi movie, yeah. and had no idea what was going to happen in Ahsoka, obviously. Mm-hmm. And here we are with Ahsoka. We have a story that's being told of them trying to go to another galaxy to save a friend or trying to go to another galaxy to bring someone back to revive the Empire. And it's all this fear around whether there is or is not a system there is this hyperspace travel to another galaxy although Mm -hmm. they don't really have the same fear of that hyperspace and obviously turns out didn't create a black hole and kill everybody um this time but what do you what do you guys think yeah this time do y'all think that there's any relevance for this kind of story in hyperspace travel and especially since they just announced dawn of the jedi right when they're doing ahsoka yeah do you think is any of this going to be pulled in yeah, Filoni knows Filoni knows his his legends and knows the lore behind the history of all this. You know, and he's also a big Tolkien fan and Similarian fan and, and Narnia. I mean, yeah, he he know he knows all that stuff. And so Star Wars has the same legacy behind it, even if it is called Legends, and he's gonna pull from those things um that are interesting and tell those stories. Mm-hmm. But it is it is kind of cool. They're gonna they're it's all gonna be connected. It, it definitely yeah. will. And it's interesting because even um David Tennant, I don't know the robot's name. David Tennant <laughs> in Ahsoka, he even was talking about it was funny. I think he was just talking about the legend straight up because he said there were stories we've told you. There were stories of other universes that we told you guys as younglings and all this stuff. And I'm like, 
Jedi's telling or David Tennant is currently telling Ahsoka about the story that I read last year that we're getting ready to talk about. What is like what's happening in my mind? And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. TJ, any comments, thoughts? Yeah. So I, until we get details about it, I think it's very possible that the Dawn of the Jedi movie could be about the new Dawn of the Jedi rebuilding the Order. You know, from Ray's perspective. Hmm. Ah, yeah. Well, there's two separate movies. There's the James Mangold Dawn of the Jedi, the origin from the very, very beginning, and then there's also uh, the Ray movie. So, I, I how they're connected and years apart, I'm I'm not sure how all that flows. Did they what, confirm the Dawn of the Jedi movie is from twenty five thousand years ago or anything? Have they said anything official about so. that? I thought I that was so. definitely Mangold's uh, movie. The one goes way, okay. way, way back, thousands okay. of years ago, and then oh, raised okay. something different. But maybe, maybe they're named the same. We can, you know. There's this little little computers in our pocket. We can check it out. Uh, but I'm wondering how that's going to be derailed with the writer strike and what's going to come first or not. And who's who's ready? That's some. Um, that's one thing I think is really interesting. When we talk about origins in general, a lot of times, and I like that they're doing this with the movie. When we think about reborn or starting over or how to know, fix our own systems, fix who we are, we do often want to look back. How did it all start? Where did the origin happen? Where did things go wrong? Or has it always been wrong? Right. Yeah. Mm. That oh man, we're gonna get into Soka Dog. Yeah. I mean, that's Balin Skull's whole thing about like all these patterns, mm-hmm. the rise and fall of empires and Jedi. Like, let's stop these systems from happening. It's been happening for tens of thousands of years. What are we doing next? How do we how do we stop this pattern from happening and repeating itself over and over again? So that that's part of yeah. what he was trying to say in Ahsoka, which yeah. more more about that later. And since I'm the only one who read the book, I'll rate and review it and then we'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. I um I'm going to let you guys know, uh, from, from what research I've done on how other people have viewed the book, this might be one of my wrong opinions, but I, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I, I love Ooh. the characters. I I love the parallelism. And for me, I love when an ending is tragic. Even if, you know, the good guys won in the end, to me, it's still tragic because she had to kill her brother and everything he fought to prevent or change, he ended up creating for himself. And to me, there's just something poetic about that that I love. So... Solid nine out of 10. I like the story. I love the characters. Yeah, good stuff. It wasn't super. I think if I had to give anything that's keeping it from a 10, honestly, it's uh, it could have been much shorter. I think they did a lot of details that weren't necessary. The plot's pretty straightforward. So, but I loved it. I love the characters and learning about all the side characters and stuff too. It was a fun world to explore. So Prisoner of Bogan. Um, man, if I knew, I thought for some reason, I thought, Will, I'd also read this one. I was going to have TJ do the first one and then you do this one and then TJ do the third one. So I guess we'll just go back to TJ. (laughs) How would you summarize the Prisoner of Bogan arc in Dawn of the Jedi? Okay. So the Prisoner of Bogan is when, you know, we're introduced to a character that has been alluded to, uh, Dagon Locke, who is, you know, the real, the first only prisoner of, uh, Bogan at this point that we know of. And it kind of shows us Zesh being exiled to Bogan and meeting Dagon Locke and, you know, realizing that uh, Dagon Locke was exiled here because he had a vision of an impending invasion. Uh, and Zesh is the first part of that invasion. Uh, so they team up, go start uh, putting into effect, into order Dagon Locke's plan for the invasion. And uh, it's, really cool this is where we really get to see you know like the the lightsaber versus lightsaber 
combat for the first time because in Dawn of the Jedi, there's only two lightsabers at first. Well, at the end, there's a lot, but uh, there's only one for a long time. And we get to see it here. And, and Prisoner of Bogan takes us through the process of building a new one, which is a new thing at this point, and mm-hmm. shows that, you know, it, it shows kind of the, the system more. We, we start to visit the other planets instead of just being told about them and yeah, get into fun. with the, the politics of the system. Mm. Yeah. For more Star Wars politics, check out our, C- our, politi- our primary political series. Yeah, I might put that down below too. We'll see. But you can find it. There's links to it places. Um, also, for the, for the lightsabers, they're not technically lightsabers at this point, right? They're like force no. sabers because they don't have the crystals yet. Yeah, yeah. No, they do have crystals. but They do? Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, they do have crystals, but they don't have like power cells. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they, they actually are channeling the dark side for the blade itself, which is interesting that doing that creates a purple lightsabers. Yeah. Looking that at you, Mace Windu. It's a light purple, you know? <laughs> Looking at you, Mace Windu. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, I demand an explanation. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Which, although, isn't that part of the explanation, though, is that yeah. he's using some dark side in his fighting technique? Yeah, Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah. In uh, in his in the Mace Windu books, uh, it goes over it that you know Vapod, which was developed on his planet, does draw on the dark side of the Force. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm thinking right, Zesh and Locke do leave Bogan oh, during yeah. this, and don't they end up taking Shay Koda? Doesn't she end up becoming her, their prisoner for a while? Uh, was it Shay? I thought so. yes. Because like I had always, yes. I had always wondered. Because when we get to the end of this, there's a little bit of a love story going on, and I'm like, is was she Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> like what happened? Because she was a prisoner, and next thing you know, she's in love with one of her captives. So I'm like, mm, something here seems very. Although I can't say much because I, uh, I'm the big Beauty and the Beast fan, and uh, you know a lot of people criticized my my story that I love for similar things. So maybe I should stay quiet. We'll. You were going to say something. No, I was just saying it was a different time 10 years ago, I guess. No, but yeah, we're, we're more aware. I mean, there's, those things happen. I, it, it is interesting to see Star Wars has a little bit of romance. It has some tension there, but man, when you start seeing it, that's jarring. When you start seeing Jedi and Force users, um, you know, cutting eyes at each other and be like, hmm, I'm interested in this person. You're like, wait a minute. Uh, what, what, is, what does that mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because that uh, because Shay is a uh, Dathomir or from Dathomir, you know, we're used to them being, you know, the guy Darth Maul's race of people who end up being bad guys or evil space witches, you know. Yeah. And here mm-hmm. we see Say, who is a very good Jedi, who is already at this point saying, "No, we don't do these kind of things. No, I don't do this." You know, kind of saying, "No, your assumptions about my people are wrong." Then she ends up being taken prisoner starts falling for one of these guys to kind of escape. Um, I, I forget. There's something missing in my in my brain here for the logic. So I'm going to need TJ to help me with part of this. But by the end of volume two, Zest has decided to join the Jedi. And the Jedi have been like, yeah, you know what? He might have a point. We should start creating these force savers. How do we get to that point from them escaping prison and having her as a Shay as a prisoner? Um. That that is kind of where it's rush. There's just kind of a blur here for all of us. Yeah, they yeah. they kind of rush the story really hard at at that point. 
uh, but yeah. it was like they get you know proof that the Rakatans are coming. Yeah, when that's when we learned that these are the real bad guys. You know, and there's not like one sole person. There's a whole uh, what they call it, the Infinite Empire, which of course right. Empire language in Star Wars is it's always a thing. It's got to be there. And, and there's allusions to the artwork too, like that their ships have like at the center uh, like a a moon or a circle or a planet or a Death Star. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no, and, and or they look like a cross between like a Death Star and a Tie Fighter um, with with the rounds. Or so, you know if you. If you like spheres in your spaceships and space stations, you may be evil. I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, the, the Rakata are in Knights of the Old Republic. They're like the final oh, big bad. That's fun. Got the threat to deal with. And the Infinite Empire is like what you have to stop at the end of Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, wow. So it's it stays around for a while. Like a uh, long time. They try to come back. Yeah. Okay. I, um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's, if I had to do one criticism of like this whole series as a whole, I think the big thing is it seems too samey, if that makes sense. Like some, some stuff has changed a lot. Like the Jai themselves, it makes sense they'd be that different 25,000 years ago, but they're still being an empire. They're still being some of these same things 25,000 years later. Seems odd. But I mean, I guess that's kind of true of our world. I don't know oh, 25,000 yeah. years, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess, I, I don't know. Some of the same shapes and technology being used is kind of weird though. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, real, but That's yeah, true. great review. I guess this is just up to me and TJ. TJ, volume yeah. two. Oh, I'm also going to give it an eight. I think overall the series is a good eight. I'm going to, I'm going to be the bad one here then. I'm giving it a four. Ooh. Volume two to me was just filler. I feel like I could have skipped most of it. They could have just given me like two sentences that said, they escaped. Shy was a prisoner and learned their way. Okay, cool. Those five comics summarized. Done. Yeah, but Josh you didn't hates want the character world. development and the 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 art and the you know all those things that lead you to the point where you need yeah. to go. No, yeah. there's nothing Josh hates more than learning good world building. <laughs> I listen. Don't need. I, I like it yeah. if it's good, but I just feel like there wasn't much substance here. Like I didn't learn that much here. The first volume. I learned a lot. There was a lot of stuff that they showed us and taught us. This one, I was like, eh, okay. Well, you know, if we cool. if we do this like um, origin story of of TJ, we don't want just like, yeah, he became a welder and then he wasn't. We need to know the whole background of this of this thing. So, yeah, we, we, it's not going to be filler. There's no TJ. There's no good. filler TJ. Yeah. TJ filler. Yeah, you know, this history. was filler though. That's the thing. This was filler. It was not. <laughs> okay, volume three. <laughs> Force War, TJ okay. again. <laughs> Tell yeah, us I, what happened. I've not read this. War. I probably will not. My reading list is way too long, and I got way too much to. So, give me the Wikipedia, TJpedia, uh, Cliff Note version. Let me know what happens in this story. Uh, why should I care? So, Force War is the culmination of the Dawn of the Jedi series because they didn't continue it. They were gonna. There was gonna be more, but that's why it got rushed because they weren't gonna finish it. And it's where we see the Rikata, the Infinite Empire, actually show up to the Tython system, uh, ready to ready to go, ready to fight. And it's where we see the Jedi used as a military force for technically the first time, because at this point the Clone Wars is, you know, twenty yeah yeah twenty five and a half thousand years away. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, this is where it happens for the first time. So it, it's been an eternal thing 
Jedi always mm-hmm. eventually get roped into wars, and this one they couldn't really avoid because you know they were kind of what the Rakatans were after, because uh, mm-hmm. they were guarding sort of the the gate that the mm-hmm. Claw used, and we get to see uh, what that does to Jedi. Famously, bad things. Mm-hmm. When the Jedi become a military force, that is when they mm-hmm. collapse. Uh, but not here, not yet. Uh, we do get to see them kind of fall, start leaning into the dark side more and more. Uh, they do mm-hmm. get to make force sabers and ride flying rancors, though. So it's pretty <laughs> sweet. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing. Is like. The first half, I like this one a lot more than the other two, personally. Volume three for me was great. Um, the first half of this, it's like we're seeing, yeah, which, you know, the reason the, why can't I think of their name? The Rancor? They're not Rancor. I'm, Rancor. I'm thinking Rancor. I'm combining Rancor and the name of these people. Help Rancor. me out. Yeah. Yeah. That, the Infinite Empire is here because they know that's where the hyperspace gate is. They're ready to get out of here. And it's funny because if you read everything in order that it came out, you know from Into the Void exactly where it's at. You know everything about the Chaos Wall. But if you didn't, you're learning all that during this. Um, the Chaos Wall is in the abyss. So on the planet Tython, there's this giant abyss. There's this whole thing. Um, but leading to the hyperspace gate, if you go through this wall and you don't have some kind of thing, I forget what it is, some, some kind of um, icon or something embedded on your mind and you pass it you go crazy droids have gotten fried non-force users even get messed up you can't pass the wall without that icon or whatever embedded in your mind um so some people are able to get to it but mostly the fighting happens outside of the actual abyss and yeah the fighting's awesome you have these four sabers you have the good guys are using both the dark and light side so you're seeing people doing chokeholds force lightning pushes you know mind twists going on and it's like okay all right this is a everything like this is the force unleashed pun intended i'm very <laughs> side note i just really want them to have the the character from the force unleashed series interact with ahsoka at some point i know he's not technically canon but they can make him canon again it would be fun for me Say note over. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, yeah. Just seeing all the fighting, it was cool. Like, I don't, if you, if you like comics, you'll, the fighting scenes are epic here. So good. Um, the actual story, I kind of liked it too. Um, even though, you know, whatever, um, basically Zesh gets shown that he was actually undercover for the Jedi. He wasn't really a Jedi. So you thought that he changed, but he hadn't really changed. So now he's going back to attacking the Jai, and he's a terrible bad guy. Shay ends up showing up and realizes there's some kind of internal conflict going on and is able to kind of get through to him because he is getting just mind. You know, we're going to keep this PG, but just mind messed up um, <laughs> by all of these dark force users, all this kind of stuff. Eventually, Shay reaches out to him. They're able to defeat the bad guys. They do a little smooch. Since he helped bring balance back, he's allowed to go free. And Zesh, who we learned's name is really, <laughs> I, I, I forget what it was, but I know it's like Dao, basically, because I thought it was just so annoying. Yeah. What is it? Tao. Yeah. 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 It bothered me because it's like, as much as this, you know, it pulls all this stuff from like Taoism and all this stuff. And it's like, we're just going to straight up say Tao, which is, you know, in Taoism, Tao is the force. And I'm like, this is way too on the nose. Um, 
<laughs> but whatever that this whole series did that a lot of stuff was very much on the nose like the jedi i uh, wonder what they're going to turn into you know but then there was a lot of stuff that was pretty cool named force hound that's a good name um but yeah so they go out they live peacefully together um they don't say in this series what happens to tython that's for later on but we know it's not there forever for the jedi yeah, are we question, quick yeah, question about tython does that show up is such a pivotal part in this origin story does it show up in other things i don't i i yes. that, that name's familiar to me but where does it show up in our present day star wars lore or in mostly or whatever? weirdly enough mostly in mandalorian or okay. the mandalorian series from what i remember so mm-hmm. there's a kid's book of mandalorian which is technically canon that they show some about tython when they're talking about like the history of the jedi mm-hmm. and at one point in the series, they they mention it in season two. They mention Tython, so we know Tython is a thing. Okay, but I don't think that it, any of the Incanus stuff has like physically gone there or shown us anything. But I could be wrong. They might have done something on Clone Wars that I'm not remembering. No. Yeah, I, I you know not knowing the history in those days. Sometimes when you throw out plant names or those things, it kind of goes over my head. But now that this is such a central part part of this story arc of of the dawn of the Jedi, uh, made me go, oh, I'm, I now know that that word and planet and place and maybe it'll stick out more later on when they allude to it yeah uh, tj yeah. how about you do you know where it shows up or anything you're you like some planets you like yourself some planets i do love me some planets <laughs> uh but i cannot recall where tython shows up other than or in our modern star wars at least you know i know it's gotcha. in the old republic i know it's in that's the mmo not yeah kotor uh gotcha. but i think as far as modern star wars that people do interact with i think the old republic is our most common interaction with tython so yeah so i just got a few questions we're gonna think a little bit deeper and then we're gonna wrap this one up because we this is kind of this is a long one but we kind of knew it was we we're covering a lot of stuff here yeah um but i, I want your guys perspectives do you think the the jedi were right to start creating and using the force sabers we know it looks cool they also use the thoyor as weapons they learned that those pyramids can be used as weapons as well were they right to turn these things into weapons, use the force sabers and the dark side in this way and lean that much into it for, cause they needed to win the battle. TJ, no. you go first. No. <laughs> Why? Uh, well, I think the, the thing is they did not need the force sabers, or at least they didn't think they did. They had no reason to believe that they were going to need them. Uh, they mm-hmm. did because the Rakatan, uh, flesh, Raiders, that's what they were called, ended up being too strong for a normal blade to cut at that point because uh, they weren't using fibro blades yet. Uh, so they had no reason to believe that they needed those. They just kind of desired them. They were kind of greedy. They wanted that extra mm. power that a force saber could give them. Uh, mm. The though yours though, yes, I do think they they were right to use that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Because they didn't have to just purely rely on dark side to use those, right? Yeah, they could have just used those. Yeah. yeah. Um, Will, I know you don't haven't read it, but what, what do you think? Like, is it right I, to use the dark side to create these weapons to win the battle? Man, you know, ethical questions in Star Wars and weapons <laughs> and winning battles. I mean, part of me is like, yeah, you know, if if you don't embrace the technology to try to win the battle, then the other person is going to do it, and you're going to lose anyway. So, I part of me is like. Yeah, I, I embrace technology and progression and those things in the world, whether it's cell phones or internet or my G7 
continuous glucose monitor attached to my arm to let me know what my blood sugar is like. You know, let's 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 embrace the technology without. Yeah, there's there's ethical questions about how we use tech and 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 um, those kinds of things and transhumanism. There's a whole whole big whole big uh, of course right. Uh, questions are, are good to question and think through critically of those things. But, you know, if they didn't embrace it, will we ever get to a point where Luke Skywalker is using a lightsaber against Darth Vader? <laughs> if that's what it leads to that, then of course it is the right thing. To do. Yes, actually. So the, <laughs> the force saber and the proto saber started differently. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to talk about this really quick. Yeah. Uh, cool. The cool. proto saber and the force saber are not similar. They are separate origins of a lightsaber. Uh, I think this is the one that's going to end up being canon. Mm-hmm. But the Force Saber or the Proto Saber? The Force Saber. Okay. But the Proto Saber was like what I thought it was for the longest time. Like before I read this, uh, I just thought Proto Saber, how lightsaber started, because it made more sense to me. Uh, but it was like a big battery pack you had to carry on your backpack to power the lightsaber. So everyone's walking around uh-huh. with huge, clunky, you know, massive <laughs> like mining packs on them. And it's powering their lightsaber. And actually, there is a Selkath Jedi who used it in the Clone Wars. He made his own uh, styled like a proto saber, and he called it a retro saber. And it's awesome. Oh, that's cool. I um, yeah, I, I think. Well, anyone who's listened for any time at all knows that I, I typically I'm just against utilitarianism. So in my mind, they had a belief, and their belief was we need spiritual balance. They also saw that using the force saber forced them to rely more on the dark side than the light side. So in my mind, they, they kind of, they compromised their values so that they could be slightly stronger. Right. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's a, to me, that's a no go. Um, What I'm interested in though, and this is like my own little version of Canon in my head until someone comes and ruins it. I like the idea of them keep doing force sabers until we all know the counter to the Jedi is the Mandalorians. So whatever ancient race was before the Mandalorians saw that and went, we need a version because is what Mandalorians do. They develop their technology to prepare them to fight the Jedi. And they say, okay, so we need a version of a force saber. And maybe they're the ones that find power cells and the Mandalorians are the ones that create the, je- the lightsaber. That would be kind of cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Kind of cool. I don't know if it's possible, but it would be cool because, you know, it doesn't require the force to create a lightsaber. It does to create a force saber. Yeah. Um, you know what they did invent? What's that? Or bring back to popularity? Bullets. Just regular bullets. <laughs> that I can't. All right. <laughs> that's true. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my take on like the, the lightsaber, force saber questions. We'll see where that goes. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we, we finish, the big thing for me, and this is going to be a lot of our origins, and we mentioned it earlier. We like to look to our origins to see where things messed up, or has it always been messed up, that kind of stuff. And I couldn't help with, even though, you know, when we go through this book, it's very much, you know, Taoism, what Jedi usually is. They actually included a lot of Hinduism and like, what is your actual race? Are you born into this, you know, kind of um, casting system? Are you born a Jedi? Are you born into this cast of the, you know, this thing? Are you bred to be a force hound? So they brought a lot of that kind of Eastern religion stuff into it too and asked some pretty big questions of that, which was fun, maybe for another episode. But the thing that struck me closest to home, especially because like in my own camps of people who love the church but don't love how it is now, we like to do this thing. And this is also true in American politics. We do this thing. We look early on and we go, this is when it was right. So how can we be like the early church? Or 
our politics were best then. So how can we get back to where it was when we created the Constitution? You know, whatever it is, we always think it was better back then. But then I'm reading Into the Void and all this stuff, and you're seeing, no, it was still corrupt. Maybe in a different way, but it was corrupt. And if it wasn't corrupt, I don't know if we would have ended up where we are. You know, like if it was perfect, it wouldn't have become what it became. So that's what I'm looking at. Um, I'm just kind of curious what you guys think of that comparison of, you know, how we look back to our origins and kind of almost rose glasses as it was perfect back then and now it's messed up. So we need to go back there. Do you you guys all think of that? Yeah, we definitely romanticize uh, the past and and what that looks like. And I I think you're right. Like most of the New Testament would not be there if everything was rosy and great and everybody lived in harmony with one another. Paul had to write those letters to uh, discern and direct and shepherd and separate people and not let people uh, get too uh, aggro with each other. So I I think um, that that's why they were written in the in the first place and why they still hold up because we're still a part of the those letters still hold up because we're still wrestling with the same things of how to be the body of Christ together. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, there's many versions, I guess I've come to learn there wasn't just one church. There's a bunch of churches. It wasn't just one Christian community. It was communities. There's not just one particular Christianity. It was Christianities, uh, that were followers of Jesus. And how do you get them together? And even, you know, critiques of the Protestant Reformation, that there's all these different versions of Christianity. Well, within the Catholic Church, within the Orthodox Church, there's there's different religious orders and monasteries and people who follow different people who think that's the way it should be or go and the best way, or let's build off this and improve that. Or um, that has always been a part of the human story. And so, so yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think Dawn of the Jedi, the movie, is going to go back and go, oh, wasn't everything great at the very beginning and and organized religion started <laughs> up? I think, at least I hope it doesn't do that. I I, I think there's always been a struggle between light and the dark and where do you find balance and how do people tap into that and and how does that emerge and also affect the relationships they're in and the planets they inhabit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ and I actually do another podcast, the Whole Church Podcast. That's all about church unity. We even sell shirts over there. That's hashtag one church. And I think the the beautiful thing about the church is it is all faith communities, multiple churches, even from the beginning. Um, I hate to tell people this. The verses in the Bible where Jesus is praying for unity or where Paul saying that we should all be one church, they didn't write that stuff because they were already there and just reminding right. the future to stay that way. They're writing that stuff because they're trying to get there. And hopefully throughout time, we keep pursuing. And one day when we all get to heaven, as the song goes, we'll be there, right? <laughs> um And that's kind of the goal, not necessarily the starting point. We need to go back to the start. No, it's the future. We need to get to the future. Um, So you're going to do a whole, instead of a whole church podcast, the whole Jedi podcast, and we're going to try to bring Jedi Jedi together. The whole Jedi council. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, TJ, do you have any, any thoughts as far as like how we look back to the past and how we look to the future as far as um, the church or the Jedi or when religion was what it was supposed to be or isn't supposed to be all that kind of stuff? I think it's easy to look back at our past and forget what we were struggling with at that time, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to, you know, something big like the church and, you know, going further back, I mean, oh, the church wasn't like this in the 60s. No, it probably was. You just didn't hear about <laughs> it because everyone wasn't constantly connected to everyone else on the planet. Right. Right. 
So. Yeah. And as a pastor, I hear that all the time. It's like, oh man, I remember back in the eighties, we had vacation Bible school where we had, you know, a hundred kids out the door and I'm like, we're a different time and place. And it's the good old days are the good old days. Were they, were they great? Were they good? Or is it just a different time and context? We were wrestling with different things, people, different marginalized people, different ways people worked and, um, gender roles, all that stuff comes into play and thinking about the past and then where are we now and how do we move forward is, is always trying to bring people together and connect and, and grow in their own discipleship and faith. So, so yeah, there's definitely things we can learn from our past past and maybe we gloss things over because of trauma. We're like, I don't want to remember that. But, um, but yeah, like, yeah, the good old days is definitely a theme that happens in every institution, place, person, system, family, whatever, whatever that means to you. Even in Star Wars, the good old days. Yeah, I, I'm very busy these days, so I promise I didn't think this out. But this does set me up to talk about my favorite quote. Um, when we look to the past, a lot of times I think it's easy to see the good things and forget the bad times. And we look to the present, it's easy to see the bad things and forget the good things. There's a lot going on right now that's right with the church, that we're doing good, even better than we used to. Mm -hmm. We just don't always see it. Yep. I'm going to talk about a C.S. Lewis quote where he talks about how sin always happens in the future where we're meditating on what we want, where we're lusting for that power is when we make the wrong decision. Because this is just how I kind of view life in general. Um, he says, gratitude looks to the past. Love looks to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, inhibition look ahead. And the thing was, there's good things to look in the past. We can get gratitude. We can be thankful for what we had. When we look to the future, that's when you have lust. Your lust isn't in the moment when you're doing a thing. It's when you're thinking about what you want that you don't have, right? Same thing with ambition, avarice, like all this other stuff. It's it's you're angry because you're envisioning what you're going to do to this person. Like anger itself isn't a sin. We know that. So these these things where we're focusing too much on the future is what he says is in. And he says where Christians need to learn to be is present. And we're in the present. That's where love is. I love Will and TJ presently, N not because of who they're going to be one day, not because of who they used to be mm -hmm. presently in this moment. Preach. And that's where I want us all to kind of learn to be in the present. We're talking about origins, and I'm like, hey, let's learn to be more in the present. Mm, yeah. There you go. That was, that was that was a good homily there, buddy. I'm, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for more of the homily, uh, go to the Amazon Ministry Podcast <laughs> Network where you can listen to the I did not homily show. That up as a plug for my sermon. <laughs> not, at not at all. Not at all. That oh, was stuff. It's stuff. funny though. So with that, let's wrap this up because I have to go. Um, subscribe to our show on Captivate Patreon or the Amazon Ministries Podcast Network channel. We're going to do a final question over there, I think. Really, Will's going to go on a quick rant. And uh, if you want to hear about the history of comics with Star Wars, go mm -hmm. for it. Um, we'll do a quick recommendation. Um, my recommendation... This is You know, I'm just going to recommend what we talked about today. I, I really do. I think Into the Void was good. Read it. Uh, I don't... I don't get the criticisms really for the most part. I think it's good. Check it out. Will. Oh, uh, go and hop on when Marvel reacquired Star Wars comics. Jason Aaron did the initial run in the time period that happened after New Hope before Empire Strikes Back. And John Castillo is the artist, and it's fantastic comics. So fun. Go check that out. That first graphic novel or omnibus is, is super rad. So uh, go, go pick that up. If you want to hear more about that, uh, go to our uh, Patreon um, bonus question time where we talk. Yeah. TJ. Uh, I have to recommend uh, something that I got to experience recently for the first time, which was a milkshake from Five Guys. If you live near Five Guys, uh, you've eaten one, <laughs> but you never had one, uh, just get the milkshake. Man, those things are good. 
Dang. That's a, all right. I like that. All right. That, that's a I, good sweet ending. <laughs> well, well, TJ and I might are, are going to go on a road trip together to theology beer camp. And if I see a five guys off the side of the road, I'm be like, Hey, let's stop and get milkshakes together. I'm going to yeah. juice up some insulin and I'm going to try that milkshake because TJ yeah. recommended it. Oh yeah. And yeah. we'll and do a side comment. To- We'll, we'll do a side episode on the road of drinking with Tejas where we're drinking milkshakes oh, together. That would be a fun one. Oh, that'd be cool. um, y- y'all, should, y'all should record that while you're there. Uh, anyway, um, if you want to hear more drinks with Tejas, go to our YouTube. If you want to see us at Theology Beer Camp, you can. There's a link down below to get a discount and, you know, helps us out if you use that as well. It is in Springfield, Missouri. So if you're in the area, think about it. It's coming up very soon. In like two weeks. I don't know. When y'all get this, maybe sooner, probably. Anyway, um, <laughs> Check out the rest of our Origin and Cosmology episode series with the link down below. Subscribe to our YouTube, like I mentioned. Extra content. We have drinks with teachers. We have cat comic book ketchup. If you want to hear Will talk more about comic books, if you want to hear about manga, manga mustard, TJ's on there sometimes. I'm not. I'm on comic book ketchup occasionally. And recently I did a drinks with teachers about rum, one of my favorite beverages. And uh, we talked about pirate history, which y'all know I love my pirates. So check that out. And remember, we're all the chosen people, the geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our show. If you would like to hang out with some of our hosts, like me, like Will, like TJ, like Nick, or like Sari, then great news. We have the opportunity to go to Trip Fuller's Theology Beer Camp in Springfield, Missouri, October 19th, through 21st and we're inviting all of you to come with us we have a special discount you can get 25 dollars off with the code geekology godpod all one word all caps um, we'll put the show code in the notes as well you can use the link come join us your drinks are covered with the price of admission you get theology from some great theologians like pete in like trip fuller dan coke um, Thomas Ord. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of nerdy goodness, a lot of good drinks. Um, even if you don't like beer, come hang out. It's You don't have to drink. It's a good time. Um, we had a blast last year when I was at Pastor Will's church, and we're going to have a blast this year in Missouri, and we would love to see each of you there. So again, use the code GeekologyGodPod and the link down below in the show notes to join us at Springfield, Missouri, October 19th through 21st of this year.